Hello to all of you worms out there for the 11th episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and so for this week, we're going to be going over the left back and right back position, but more specifically, we'll be going over the role of wingbacks, what wingbacks do, and how they can be incorporated within a formation and even help out the team itself. If you haven't checked it out already, the 10th episode of the Worm Burner Podcast, we had an interview with Mr. Tucker Green, which again, thank you, and it was a really entertaining interview as well as an entertaining PK shootout section. So if you haven't already, go ahead and check it out. Uh, if you have not even seen our Facebook page or our website, uh, our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash the Warm Burner Podcast altogether, one word. Uh, and if you haven't seen our actual website, it is the Warm Burner Podcast podcast goodness dot captivate dot fm. So again, altogether, the Warm Burner Podcast captivate fm if you haven't checked out either of those go ahead uh, give us a like and a follow on our facebook page and uh, let's go ahead and get into the episode for fullbacks or i'm sorry with wingbacks role and for the left back and right back position and of course following up and finishing with our extra man advice of the week so stay tuned and we will be right back all right, and we are back. So for this week, we're going to be covering the left back and right back position. More specifically, we'll be going into the wing back role for this uh, position. So uh, without further ado, uh, I kind of want to go back and repeat what I've said before over the actual defending itself when it comes to American philosophy and soccer. Uh, it's one of those things where we haven't been able to actually find a definitive ground on what needs to be done when it comes to the actual defending aspect itself. So one of these aspects that at least personally for me, I feel like American soccer can really grasp and actually be a huge influence within the game of soccer itself is for the wingback role itself. So wingback uh, for the actual defense is a very aggressive, it's a very hyper-aggressive role for the defenders within a specific setting. So when it comes to a position within the defender left left back or right back, uh, being a wing back can be very influential in the sense of attacking a specific uh, opponent, uh, especially if the opponent is more centrally based. So uh, the formation that the opponent is showing is more focused towards the center. They have a lot of their players focused in the center. You can use wing backs to expose the sides and to be able to actually stretch the opponent out to the uh, opposite ends of the field. So being able to utilize the pitch wherever you can and wherever you need to is, is a very important aspect. And one of those things that as Americans we can use, we can use this wingback role. So as I stated, it's a very hyperactive and a very, very aggressive form of defender. Uh, most wingbacks, they are going up and actually helping out with the defense uh, or, I'm sorry, helping out with the attack uh, nine times out of ten because they need, they not necessarily need, but it is of being able to have overloads or positions or areas of the pitch where uh, you have the majority of the players themselves. So when you have overloads or more individuals within a specific area, this will allow you to break down teams at a much quicker rate. So uh, again, when it comes to wingbacks, nine times out of ten, 
when the these kinds of position or this role is deployed, it is in a very aggressive type of formation. So uh, when it comes to uh, these formations, it can be very daunting to some teams because the opponent or the person that is implementing these tactics uh, on uh, your team, when it comes to the opposing team, it is relentless over after over after over and it's just brutal attacks over and over and over again and so being an american this is something that we can use to our advantage it's something that i've seen incorporated and uh with teams like atlanta united and the lafc uh these are tactics that i've seen in games uh, i can't name specifics as of right now but I've seen these teams implement these kinds of tactics, and it's very, very, very important that we are able to utilize this because going down to the grassroots level, if we can teach these players how to have specific roles and have specific positions uh, that can be incorporated at the MLS level, nine times out of ten, they are going to be more suitable players for these teams. Uh, and when it comes to at least the overall American aspect of the game, uh, we need to be able to have that identification. And at least personally for me, I feel like a very hyperactive attacking defense can be used to a very uh, extreme, not extreme degree, but a very uh, personal degree of influence uh, when it comes to sports teams, at least, it, it'll get you more hooked because uh, when it comes to Americans, and this is at least the perspective that I've picked up on from other people, this is not myself. I can watch back-to-back uh, -back soccer games over and over and over again, so I'm not a person that can really uh, testify to this, but when it comes to the average American, you want a sport that is very, very attacking or very, very aggressive. So you want that kind of mentality of uh, being the aggressor or being a, a dominant force within a side. Um, and when it comes to tactics and when it comes to this mentality, it's something that we can develop to ourselves. So uh, if I may, I want to get a tiny bit into the tactics itself, but not too far so as I've at least stated in previous videos, one of the most famous hyperactive, very attacking mentality tactics is called gegenpressing or pressing. Uh, so it, it's a different type of actual tactic within itself or within a specific soccer game that can be implemented either the entire game or within maybe a five to ten minute time span. It really depends on the actual coach and the team itself. But uh, this can this German tactic can be utilized as for us Americans, and this can actually get a lot of people involved. We can even make it our own and have our own influences within it. And again, like I said, we can make this an American thing. It doesn't have to be, the, the entire sport itself doesn't have to be American. And that's one of the things that I at least see personally for me, and not to get too political within the realm of soccer, but the European Super League, I'm sorry, but that is a very American idea, and I don't care who you are, and I don't care how loved of an idea this is. This will never, 
ever, at least within the realm of soccer itself and the fan base that's in Europe and in South, uh, South America, in Africa, in Asia, this fan base will never agree to something like that. And that is just, it, that's just facts. It's something that the world does not want to see. It will, uh, with a, again, not getting into specifics, but it'll destroy the fabric of the sport itself. And that's something that, at least personally for me, I will never, at least within my lifetime and even probably the next generation's lifetime, or even longer than that, no one will be interested in this because it's taking away a sport, the sport away from the people. But again, not to get too political when it comes to the specific thing, but we can take these actual tactics that have been developed and use them as ours, maybe even tweak them a tiny bit, make them American in an aspect. But we should never, ever expect that the actual sport itself will be American. And as I stated in episode nine or eight, I apologize, in episode eight, um, the actual title was Americans, America is, or I'm sorry, goodness gracious, soccer is not an American sport. And again, we should stop trying to make it an American sport. Use something within it and actually develop something within it. And this is something where the wingbacks can be very utilized, at least within the American aspect of the game, because, uh, like I said, when it comes to the actual grassroots level, I haven't seen these implementations just yet, but they can happen. And as me and Mr. Green discussed last episode for episode 10, this is something very, very, very simple. It's something that there's so many resources that are available to even parent coaches as well, and even coaches that want to get more developed into the game and become better coaches. It's not it's not this foreign thing that we should necessarily be scared of, or again specifically, like it's it's not something that should be a daunting task to anyone. It's something super simple that it's very easy to implement it none of this is complicated none of this is complicated and it should never be complicated so uh, again with wingbacks when you have that attacking mentality I like to use fullbacks within again a specific setting and having them more advanced being able to do overlaps so an overlap specifically uh, so over a overlap is for a actual left attacking midfielder or a right attacking midfielder, they can hold position and these left backs or right backs will go around those players. So the the left attacking midfielder or right attacking midfielder will actually hold where they are, hold the ball in a specific area, and then those left backs or right backs will go around them. So that's able, you are able to dissect a defense easier that way, which again allows you to have more crossing area because if a left back or a right back is covering that left attacking midfielder or that right attacking midfielder respectively, uh, it puts them in a very bad spot because they, that overlap will expose them and expose the area behind them. And especially if they don't have any help in defense, again, it's just going to have even more area to be able to cross the ball. And again, with that overlap, once the left back and or right back goes to respect the overlap, 
that opens up the left attacking midfielder or the right attacking midfielder to do whatever the heck he wants unless a player tracks back and helps the defense. But again, this is all technicalities, and so that's the overlap, but an underlap. So this is it's it, it, the technicalities here are uh, very specific. So underlap is basically the exact same thing, but instead of going around, they go closer to goal. So it's one of those where they they go the opposite way. So when you have a overlap, the defender is going closer to the touch line or closer to the actual end of the field, the line there. But if you have a underlap, they're going closer to the goal and going around that way. So basically going around the defender that that's defending the respective a left attacking midfielder or the right attacking midfielder and these moves can be the they can be utilized even with fullbacks just not as often you see these moves these underlaps and overlaps within specific time frames uh, of the game and again more concentrated within the wingback role which is why i bring it up now uh, and so when it comes to these overloads as well, it can be very vital, um, especially within the American mentality. We need to be able to come back and help our defense out. And that's something that I don't see a lot of, at least specifically within uh, the games that I've seen from other opponents and and even within film of, I mean, let's be honest, of some of the lower league games, the USL League 2, USL League 1, uh, even USL Championship, there are some, some people, some players that uh, aren't using their defensive capability to the best, the, the best that they have. And we need to be able to utilize uh, where we need to improve because the best way to be able to improve American soccer is to call out the things that need to be said when it comes to uh, specific areas that we're weak at. And one of those weak spots that we are at is defense. So we need to turn that and make it an advantage for us. And one of the ways that we can turn it to make it an make it an advantage to us is with wingbacks because wingbacks again are very aggressive maybe the left back and the right back within a specific formation don't need to be uh, a wingback at the exact same time because again with these positives there are some negatives and that's what I want to kind of get into now with the negatives of a wingback you are can be very exposed in the back. So when you have those overlaps and those situations, let's just say that the left attacking midfielder or the right attacking midfielder has a bad pass. It happens. That's one of the things that happens in soccer all the time. And if that happens, your left back or right back then needs to sprint his butt off to be able to get back and defend the potentially very dangerous position. So that's why when it comes to these, sometimes nine times, or again, not sometimes, but nine times out of 10, uh, when teams, at least in Europe, implement wing, wing backs, one of the either left back or right back is a wing back and the other one is a full back. Because if you implement both wing backs, they can both be pushing up, and it only leaves two defenders in the back. So it's a very uh, complex tactic, at least within the realm of, of some uh, aspects. And it, again, 
the attacking mentality does help, but you need to be able to learn how to counterbalance that. And so one of those ways to be able to counterbalance it is having either the left back or right back that is not designated the role of wing back being given the full back role. Uh, so that way they are back and there's three defenders back uh, and or even maybe even four defenders because again uh, the formations can change and there can be five defenders uh, within a formation itself so again not to get into technicalities just yet uh, because that's going to be later episodes and when we're going to be going over formations themselves so again this is something that with full back or with wing backs this can be a very negative thing. It exposes a lot of room within the back for opponents on the wing that have those left attacking midfielders or right attacking midfielders to be able to expose your defense. So again, take it with a grain of salt, learn from it and be able to implement your own tactics within that. If you're a coach and even as a parent being able to help your son and or daughter to be able to know the difference between attacking and coming back and helping the defense, not being too advanced to the point where you uh, create a big disadvantage for your team. And even if they do, that's okay. Take them aside and actually teach them, show them uh, specifically, maybe even come up with uh, some videos. So a very good uh, wing back, at least personally, with my opinion, that has a lot of experience is Alexandro from Juventus. He's a very good wing back, being able to come back or come forward with uh, the attack, as well as just being able to be utilized within the attack, and then not becoming so advanced to the point that he uh, really exposes the back line or the defense of his team. So he knows when to attack and when to defend. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, another recommendation as well, especially if you have a fast player, being able to use a player like Kyle Walker from Manchester City. Again, <laughs> not trying to toot my own horn here, but the uh, Alex Walker is a very, very attacked mentality wingback. And so he is able to use his speed to his advantage and being able to actually get back when it comes to uh, putting his team into in very bad positions. So it's being able to have that speed can also help with a wing back uh, and being able to utilize the 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 mentality of it as well. So you can't always have all the attributes. And that's another thing that as a coach and even as a parent, being able to identify what the weaknesses are. And, and I know, I know, I know one of the hardest things to be able to identify with your son and or daughter when it comes to soccer is their weaknesses. And that's okay. Being able to point that out, that's not a negative thing. Because the reason I say that and this is something, at least personally for me, that I've seen within my lifetime and with stuff that's happened to me. I completely understand that you don't want to upset your kid or uh, you don't want to put them in a in a bad mood. But something that you can say or something that you can do that's just as influential is say, hey, you may not be good as all the other kids in this one thing, but I'm going to work with you. And so that way you can have an advantage that they don't have. So again, being able to actually have the disadvantage and advantage ratios ratio of, yeah, you may be bad in this area, but 
we can improve your game to where you can still compete and be at a top level even without that advantage, even even if that doesn't work in your favor. And so being able to have that is important when it comes to being a coach, obviously, and even being a parent itself, because I know personally that there are a lot of parents out there that don't want to put their kid in that kind of situation, that they want to make them feel bad. And I completely understand, but being someone like my standing that doesn't have some of the attributes that, again, a professional soccer player can have. It's something that I've grown to learn, at least personally for me, and being able to adapt myself to be better at the game within a specific area and within a specific setting. It's not a bad thing to be able to point out your flaws because if you can point out your flaws, you can create the advantages that will later help you become either. I mean, I mean, hey, you could become a professional player. Professional players have disadvantages all the time, and they've accepted that. They're able to know what they are bad at and what they can learn and what they can do to be able to counterbalance that or maybe even completely wipe that out. So like, for example, this is just technicalities and I'm not calling Kyle Walker a bad player, but if Kyle Walker makes a mistake when it comes to his passing, his passing may not be to the level that he needs to. Again, I'm not saying that he has, but again, hypothetical example here. He may not be the best passer within the team but he has a very a very fast speed so being able to get back and fix that mistake that he made is a very influential thing at least personally for me use that to your advantage yes you may not have the best pass but if you're fast you can get back and make make up for that mistake that you made and so that's just at least my point of view when it comes to the wingback position, uh, some of the advantages and disadvantages of it, and we are on to the extra man advice of the week. All right, and so for this week's extra man advice of the week, I wanted to keep it simple, but it's something that needs to be said and something that needs to be known, at least within the soccer community. Uh, make sure to show respect for your coaches, the referees, and even your opponent itself. Uh, me personally, I know that I need to obviously work on this at least. I mean, uh, it, when you have a competitive mentality, sometimes it can slip, but uh, I know that at least if you can have that mentality of being able to at least say a uh, good game to your opponent or just going to your coaches just in general, I know that players and coaches can have scuffles and disagreements uh, all the time. And trust me, I know uh, I've had disagreements and, and just arguments with my coaches as well. But just make sure, tell them, have a nice day, or just end it on a positive note because at the end of the day, your coaches, man or woman, it, it doesn't matter. They want to improve your game. It doesn't matter if you have a disagreement or not. At the end of the at the end of the day, they are there to help you improve and their knowledge helps you become a better player. And again, like I said, you may have a disadvantage, but end it on a good note. Even for the referees, I know I've had my fair share of bad referees uh, across all sports, not even just soccer, but uh, I've had my fair share. Make sure to just tell them good game. Thanks. Appreciate it. Even, even 
a thank you to a ref. I know that even for some referees, I know for a fact that some of them can even be high school players. I remember uh, one of my games that I played in was it, it looked like this person was 18, 19 years old. This was like his first job. He was a side ref on, uh, on a game that I played in. And I was just like, wow. He actually took the time out of his Saturday to be able to come over and actually help referee a game. I went over, I thanked him, and I appreciated that he was able to, to do that work and, and hope he had a good day. And, and being able to show the refs as well, I know that <laughs> I've I've also taken uh, courses on officiating sports uh, at the University of North Alabama. And I know that there are some very haunting stories of referees being treated very, very, very badly. So uh, just personally, if you have the respect to be able to to show your opponents, show the referees, and show your coach, just say hi. Uh, make sure that you thank them for what they're doing. Again, even if it may end in disagreement, and even if you have a bad referee or a bad opponent, just be the better person, turn the other cheek, and just say thank you, appreciate it, like good game, hope you have a good day. It doesn't even have to be simple. It has to be. A, it doesn't have to be a, a, a long exchange at all. Uh, so, with that being said, that is the eleventh episode of the Wormburner Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for making it to the end of this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A million times, thank you uh, for all of your listens and support. I hope that you have a phenomenal day. Uh, stay safe. Love soccer. Uh, have fun. And I will go ahead and sign out. And I will see you next week on the 12th episode of the Wormburner Podcast. Ciao, everyone.